Welcome yet again to another awesome sharp way. Yes, I have claimed it as awesome already and it hasn't even started. Yes, we're here on another glorious Monday, 8 to 10. Um, guys, thank you for tuning in. I really appreciate it. I just got back from a uh, uh, over in Hawaii. I was hanging out with libertarians over there. And now I'm back, came in this morning, and I showed up for you this evening because I care. So guess what? You can show up for me. Yes, you can. You can join this program this evening by calling 573-427-5463. Talk to me. Ask me whatever questions you want. Chat with me about my uh, my trip this weekend. Or talk to me about our topic today, which I know for some of you is a little bit niche and I hope that's okay for some of you. Uh, we're talking more about the liberty movement today. This is much more of a lib- – there's no guest except for yourself tonight. More of what's happening with liberty movement coming up here in 20 – after the election of 2019 and into 2020. So if I could, I want to talk about something that many people in the liberty movement are – they fight over, get angry about. That is the, uh, the idea of incrementalism, the idea that – Look, we can't just keep slowly moving forward. We've got to grab it all. And if we don't, then we don't get anywhere. And we go slowly and then they take it back. And I get that argument. I do. I understand that in some cases people feel like incrementalism is, is not enough or that incrementalism is actually damaging or a problem. But there's an argument that's not true. And the tr- an argument they give you is incrementalism never works. That argument is not true. That is absolutely untrue. In fact, the reverse is usually true. Almost always, the only thing that does work is incrementalism. And that's not just in politics. That's in business. That's in life. That's in virtually anything. If we look at, you know, there's a business saying, it took, it took them 10 years to become an overnight success. Yeah, 10 years to become an overnight success. That means over time, they got better and better and better. And then boom, they popped. That is the idea of the book written by Malcolm Gladwell, Tipping Point. He talks about the idea of we just keep moving and then all of a sudden, boom, that's when it explodes. This is what I want to talk about today, forever, the idea of that. And it looks like, wow, already I have a phone call. You guys like this. You want to talk about incrementalism. You you guys literally read my mind. Uh, So I'm going to New York City, if I can. And I think I'm going to be speaking to Chris about incrementalism. Wow, off the bat, guys. Thank you for the phone calls. Please don't stop calling. Chris, are you there? Hey, Larry. How's it going? What's going on, brother? Uh, not much. My live stream's a little bit behind, so I'm going to have to shut it off. No worries. I'm using myself here. Um, yeah, no, I wanted to uh, talk about incrementalism with you. Um, I think that uh, a lot of people discuss it as um, – more of a dichotomy and a choice that needs to be made Mm -hmm. than, uh, um, you know, than something that we can sort of draw. I mean, the thing is, I think we always need to sort of express what our principles are um, as libertarians. Yep. Uh, That was something that Murray Rothbard talked a lot about. Yep. Um, That didn't mean that he denied uh, sort of the process of incrementalism and what you just said, how, you know, we can be taking little baby steps, uh, you know, step by step to our goals. And then one day, uh, you know, it can all flip on us similar to the way that that, uh, if you know, Dave Smith, who who's on the network, he always talks about how um, if you spoke to somebody in the early 1840s um, and told them that slavery was going to be abolished, 
uh, in 10 years from now, they would have thought you were absolutely crazy. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, yeah, I mean, for many things. I mean, for yeah, many things, exactly. if, if, if you would, if you would have, if you would have been in, you know, 19, uh, in, in Germany in 19, I don't know, 18 or 1915, something like that during the war. And you had said, Hey, you guys know in about uh, 20, 30 years from now, you're going to be taking your Jewish population and putting them in camps and executing them. The average German would have said, no, not in our country. Well, yeah, in your country that, that actually happened. I think the idea of slavery, right? As you, as you said, if you'd gone to 1845 and said 20 years from now, there'll be no slavery. Um, I, I think most Americans, even abolitionists, probably would have told you you were crazy. So I, I think right, you're right. And, and, right, and, and you know, going with that point on abolitionists, this is something I also have heard from Dave a bunch, um, is that you know, being an abolitionist at the time was was only what two percent of the population, and mm-hmm. you know, it was a it was a risky position to take. It yep. was something that you know, if you took that position, you were risking your own life. Um, and that that kind of is I don't want to liken sort of some of our positions, although I somewhat do, to being anti-slavery at that point in time. But um, you no, know, it, it isn't as dangerous. It is as radical, just right. not as dangerous. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of all I wanted to say. On the was that kind of when you talked about incrementalism. There's, there's, you know, it's obviously the principles are the most important thing, but that doesn't mean that you're denying incrementalism if you want to stand by your principles at all times. But there's many so. things here that we want, I want to touch on this, and you brought some very valid points. One of them is I think you do have to look at it based upon each thing that's happening, right? Each individual situation is a different situation. Right. Would if you're an abolitionist, would you be okay with, you know, well, let's just have, you know, partial slavery? Probably not. Right. You probably wouldn't be okay with that. But would but would a first step, say, be trying to to block laws that would force people in the north to surrender uh, slaves to the south? That might be a first step. So it depends on a situation. Yeah. Right. So even though blocking that law wouldn't have ended slavery, that's still the first step. Now, would I accept right. partial slavery? Probably not. That might be a line in the sand that I, I probably wouldn't be pull, willing to put. I'm going I'm to make sure I've got to push past that, right? So I think each one also is separate. So right. the idea of legal, well, I, legalizing drugs, right, in our case, say something like that, as radical as that. And to most people in America, legalizing all drugs is a radical idea. Most Americans believe that's insane and radical. And that's fine. They can. Doesn't mean I have to push for only that. Will I accept cannabis first? Yes. I'm not going to go, no, if you don't legalize everything, then cannabis stays a Schedule One drug. Of course not. I would accept the move towards it by still saying I think it would be better if, for all of us if we eventually went down that road. In that case, I right. would take incrementalism. Right. And uh, Murray Rothbard actually made this point with uh, taxes too. You know, We're never going to accept a tax as legitimate. But that doesn't mean that I'm not going to take – if a pr- reduction in the tax rate is proposed, that I'm not going to support that to the fullest extent. You know, We'll yep. take anything that goes in, our, in the direction of our principles is what we need to do essentially to at least have a strategy that moves us in the right direction. Well, I think. well, this has been the point that I've been bringing up forever, right, on this incrementalism piece. And mm-hmm. I, I bring this up specifically – You don't have to give up your principles for it. Absolutely. Well, this is the point I, I've been bringing up because of what happened in New York this year, right? In New York State, if those of you don't know, last year, meaning 2018, 2017, we basically had zero wins. Zero. Zero wins. We had zero wins for decades. This year, we well, had. For you. 
Uh, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for the voting. But I'm saying actual victories, right? Actual wins, right? We, we had zero. But this year we had 103. 103 actual wins. Now, out of those 103, 96 of those people were cross-endorsed, right? And those of you who don't know about New York State, we have fusion voting here. Fusion voting means you can be on multiple lines. You can be on the Republican line and the Libertarian line, Democrat line and Libertarian line, conservative line, and libertarian, et cetera. You can be on two or three lines if, if possible, sometimes four or five. So I know it's odd for most people who don't live in New York State. I, th- I think only seven states have fusion. I could be wrong. I'm sure one of you will call in and correct me if I'm wrong. But I, I think it's seven states that actually have fusion available. So in New York State, there are 96 who are just cross-endorsed. And many people think that, well, that's bad, that's useless, who cares, they're not real libertarians. And is it perfect? No, they're right. It's not perfect. I wish they were all, you know, straight libertarians. I know, hold on, I, only libertarians. Straight and pure, I shouldn't use those words. So let me instead go to only libertarians. <laughs> I would prefer them to be that. But the fact that these people actually said they wanted our line means they had to at least speak libertarian rhetoric. I hope they believed it. I really do. And I'm 100% sure that some of them do believe the rhetoric. I'm sure some of them do. I don't know how many, but it means they had to at least speak the rhetoric to us and others. That's an incremental win. If you go back two years ago, they didn't care about us at all. They did nothing. They were like, who cares about these guys? We don't care. Nothing. Now they have to, at a minimum, pander to us. While again, not a win, it's a movement in the right direction. More people are talking about our movement and what we're doing. On top of that, we have actual seven wins. I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, you've made this point before also, and to kind of go off what you're saying, like, and a lot of, you know, people who are libertarians or hardcore libertarians are very passionate. Yep. You know, obviously often have opinions about a wide range of issues, and they're very, you know, concrete in the philosophy and they feel like it's a very pure ideology. But really, like, when you're talking about trying to get new libertarians, for them to get there, it's going to take them getting there on their own. Absolutely. Really. It's going to yes. have to start with, with mm-hmm. the issue that matters to them. Yes. And then if they're going to really adopt our principles and, and, you know, potentially go all the way with it, the way, you know, get into that ANCAP land and some of the people who consider themselves more pure in the ideology, that's something that happens a person have to do on their own. They, I, they, I completely agree. Need, you can't beat them over the head with it. And yep. I, you know, this is, I've learned from experience. I, I look you at myself, just, right? When, when I first came to the, the party, I came to the party not through someone like a Mises or Rothbard. I came to the party through Gary Johnson in 2012. That's how I came to the party. Exactly. Yeah. So when I came to, to the party in, Gary, in 2012, I thought Gary Johnson was a radical, right? To me, that was a radical. Now mm-hmm. I think I'm, I'm more radical than he is. But I think at that point, to me, from where I was in my world, that was a radical. Whoa, he's saying stuff I hadn't heard. He's saying stuff like, what? Mm-hmm. Who says that? That's what? You mean government was, doesn't have every more, answer? Oh, I was more ready for, uh, for a Gary Johnson type of message than I was for some of that more hardcore type of message at the time. Absolutely. And so, you know, if I put myself in someone else's shoes in that position, you know, uh, Gary Johnson, especially if somebody's considers himself po- political or interested in politics, but is kind of used to being exposed to the, the mainstream angle of things, <clears throat> kind of need to take them from that, yeah. from that side. And, but to, and, but to be know. clear, that doesn't mean all our messages to be that way, because some right. people respond to a hardcore message. 
right? Some people, you say, abolish everything, and they go, yeah, oh, my God, who are these guys? So I, mm-hmm. I don't want us to only be the people who message like Gary Johnson. I want us to be that also, but also every other type of message that goes around. The hardcore ANCAP message lands with people also, right? The anarchist message lands for people also. Whatever that message might be, I think we want all of our messages to go out there to touch people wherever they are, right? Wherever they might be. So in my case, an anarchist message in 2012, I wouldn't have heard it. I couldn't have heard it, but I could hear Gary Johnson, right? Where someone else would hear an anarchist message and say, I'm in. Oh my God, I've been waiting for this my entire life. So while that was right for me, I don't want to limit the movement to only that type of message. Well, I'd like to point out one other thing about the anarchist message is that I, it was something, it's something that now resonates with me very highly. Um, Absolutely. At the time though, at the time it kind of, when I was, when I would see it, I would kind of get interested in it. And then, you know, I know you're probably aware of this, the way that it's like really slandered in the mainstream. Absolutely. People hear anarchy. That would would really knock me back for a long time. It took, it took me a long time to break through that and realize that I can actually. And you know, a lot of it was what I would see in, public uh media and yep. a lot of it was just how my friends would respond to what i was saying absolutely and things like that um, well the the average you know. american hears anarchy and then they hear chaos and violence that's right. what they hear right when you say anarchy they will often hear chaos and violence i think you're right and it's 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 words that we sometimes have to ch- choose you know what message we, we 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 say so yes i appreciate the call thank you so much chris Thanks, Larry. I really appreciate it. Great talking to you. All righty. Have a good night. So, yeah, guys, we have to worry about about all the messages, right? This is how we will slowly grow the movement. And whether you're someone who wants to be part of the actual party, someone who just wants to be an activist, someone who wants to run for office, somebody who just you know, does their own thing and just feels like they're part of it, all good. I think these are all important aspects of the movement. Let me go, if I could. I'm going to get out of New York, and I'm going to head over to Texas and I'm going to chat with Gregory um, from Texas. Gregory, how are you? I'm just fine. How are you, Larry? I'm doing well. What's going on? Uh, I'm going to pull on a few threads, and uh, hopefully you see what I see. Pull away. Uh, I, see some interesting, I see some interesting things happening in the liberty movement right now. So you're a really positive voice. Uh, and while the Libertarian Party is not the liberty movement, it's probably in the best interest that it be the most representative party for liberty. Wouldn't you agree? I would. You've worked through the Libertarian Party. You ran for governor. You continue to give up nights and weekends speaking for other libertarians. That's correct. Absolutely. Uh, I I do think they're separate. I agree with you completely. The Liberty Movement is not the Liberty Party. They they, they are Libertarian Party. They are, are, in my view, and not everyone agrees, the Libertarian Party is the mainstream political arm of the Liberty Movement. That's how I see it. Yes. Uh, so some interesting things are happening in this space. So Maj Ture recently ran in Philadelphia, unfortunately unsuccessful, but was a good, strong voice in liberty movement. Yep. Uh, he, he paid his own price, right? He, he gave up income earning opportunities. He put himself out there and I know the feeling he he was. So, so this is one that he was originally going to be the keynote speaker next year in Austin. Yep. Uh, some things happened in that space. Yep. Uh, you're now the keynote speaker. Yes. Uh, but but he 
he still believes that the liver, I mean, on November 13th, he, he posted a nice picture saying feeling cute might take over the libertarian party later. Yep. Which I thought, I thought was cheeky. It was. Uh, so, uh, Dave Smith, right? Yep. He, he's a voice in the Liberty movement. Absolutely. Uh, he, he feels the libertarian party could do better so much so that he debated Nick Salwerk. Yep. At the Soho forum. Yes. He made an important point in the resolution that the libertarian party is chasing votes when it, could maybe chase converts. Yep. Um, and then Nick made a fair point that, uh, well, uh, if you don't like who we nominate, you need to participate in the process. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which brings me to something interesting I heard last week. Um, Tom Woods had Scott Horton on. Yeah. Uh, Tom Tom Woods is, you know, he, he's been at cross purposes with the party in the past. He has uh, a little bit of a fraught relationship. Yes. He now has a Libertarian Party affiliate link. Yes, he, he does. Is rec- he's recruiting people for the party. Scott Horton has a lifetime membership. He's had he's been at cross purposes at the party. He is now asking people to join the party because I, I think everyone sees the party for as flawed as it has been with 2008 possibly being a nadir in the party. <laughs> uh is still probably the best means to affect change, at least at the political level. Right? You brought That's up a lot level. of stuff. I gotta, I gotta cover a couple of these because you brought up so much. <laughs> Let me first, but but they're they're very related, right? Everything you did was related, yeah. and you you pulling us from the same string. But you're right. Yeah. The reason why, and I've said this publicly, I this was in a Reason magazine article when I get interviewed. I've called Libertarian Party literally a dumpster fire on wheels. But then I say right afterwards, uh, it's it, without it, we're walking. So I stay on top of it and keep trying to put the fires out. That's what I do. You're totally yeah. correct. It is not perfect by any means. There are lots of problems with our movement. I say it all the time. I, I critique the Libertarian Party while still giving us hope for the future because I see us getting better. But we have a lot of problems, right? The Maj issue. Maj dealt with the same thing I dealt with, Right. Everyone was, everyone was like, and I'll give you two different parts of, of our party. The first part was when I, before I began to run. When I started talking about running for governor, I had so many people say, Larry, I'm going to support you. I'm going to write you checks. I'm going to support you. I got you covered. So many said that. Then I started running, and all of a sudden, they changed their minds. And I found out what they meant was, Larry, I will support you if you run as a Republican. That's what they meant. They didn't say those words. And since I'm not a Republican, I never thought I was going to run as a Republican. That wasn't even part of my worldview. So we completely walked past each other in our communication. So that was a big deal. My, my first, um, uh, I guess, lesson when it comes to that. But it was the second piece. After I lost and I got my, my 2%, the amount of people who began to take massive dumps on me within my own party was insane. Austin Peterson got this. I got it. Maj got it. The only difference between me and them is I knew it was coming. I was prepared for it and I didn't care, right? I, that's true. It, it bothered me because it attacked my team and it hurt my team and that did bother me. So you guys who yelled at me, you didn't get me, but you did bother my team. So you kind of did get me anyway. I guess you guys get a little bit of a win because that part bothered me. And I didn't want to defend my team who busted their ass to, to, to make that a real campaign. But I think we are vindicated because many people who are on my team – one election in New York State this year. So I got all dumped on, but I just kept going. 
But when they turned on on Maj, Maj got upset, as he should have. He busted his rump, like you said, and gave up time and gave up money and was talking liberty literally to the hood. Who the hell does that? I tried and I failed and I'm I'm raising the Bronx and I couldn't get a, uh, that message across. And he did. And then we all yelled at him and called him names. I get why he walked away. But then it took a couple of steps and he did the same thing many other people have done. And they realized that where else you going to go? While that sounds horrible, I don't mean that to be negative. I mean that to be reality. He's going to go back to the Republicans who just used him as a token. They wanted to use me as a token, right? Well, many people don't know this. Well, some people do. When in, in December of 2017, when I was running, there was, there was a bunch of people. This is before um, the actual in, initial um, – I'm sorry. This is before the actual nominee came up. Some people in the Republican Party came to me asking me to be lieutenant governor. This would shut me up and put a non-white guy on a Republican face, right? That was the goal. They want to use me as a token. Why? So I can lose and be their token? No, thank you. So I think he finds that in the Republican Party. Democratic Party doesn't want him. They don't want me either. They won't talk to me. I beg to talk to Democrats all the time, and they don't want to talk to me at all. So you, you get a tokenized Republican or ignored by Democrats. Where is she going to go, man? Just being forward. And so I think that's your point. This, what, the disaster the Libertarian Party is, and in many ways it is a disaster, it is still right now the best vehicle for change, the best vehicle for hope, the best vehicle for a political answer right now is still Libertarian Party. If there's something else, let me know. I'm, I'm happy to hear it, but this is what I got. I'm doing my best to fix it. That's number one. But the second thing you talked about, the idea of, of counting votes versus converts, right? You brought up a lot of stuff, brother. I'm going to try to cover it all. all right, so votes versus converts. I think you can do both. I think, and here's the example I'll give you. I was in uh, Hawaii this weekend. And when I was in Hawaii, I was, I was recognized in the, uh, in the airport. I got recognized in New York often, once a week or so, someone recognizing me in the street, take a selfie, whatever the case may be. Happens often in New York. Doesn't happen that much outside of New York. Here or there, but not that much. So being recognized in the airport in Hawaii was impressive. I was happy there. I was like, wow, it's working. Guy said he saw me on social media. I said, so are you libertarian? He said, no, I'm a Republican. I said, oh, okay. I said, do you ever support libertarian candidates? He said, yeah. He goes, I think he said he voted for Gary Johnson, if I'm not mistaken. Home run for us. That's not a bad thing. Did I get the guy to join the party? No. Might he one day? Maybe. But he would vote for Libertarian or he did at least once. This is starting to change minds and converts without having people join the party. So candidates can do that, right? Candidates can gain converts without necessarily getting someone to join the party or sometimes not even gain votes, right? I've had people here on the sharp way who now are talking to us and opening their minds and have never voted for Libertarian, so they're even thinking. I go to events throughout New York State, and very often, you might know this, if I, go, uh, I show these on, online, and I'll have people who show up to this day, this this year, who've never voted for me, but show up to the events because they're starting to come. So I absolutely think you're correct. We can do both. This also is not a one or the other. We can gain converts and we can gain votes, both. The advantage to a vote, though, is once you vote Libertarian, you are now open to do it again. That is that step, that commitment that will get you to the next step. So I think that's definitely something to think about. But there's something else. There are uh, people who think that we have to just win hearts and minds and not worry about party. And again, I say, you can do both. 
if I'm bringing people to kind of hear my ideas, and the thing you'll you'll see I do often, I'm sure if you pay attention, I do it often. I'm always trying to not just talk about philosophy. There are literally a bazillion shows that talk about philosophy, of libertarian philosophy, and books, and all kind of stuff. I don't have to jump into that. That's so what, right? There's tons of that. The thing I try doing is actually giving real solutions. When I was in Maui this weekend, we had uh, what they told me was the largest libertarian event in Maui in five years. That I only met about 40 people. But still, it's a big deal in Maui. It's a big deal. We're about 40 people there. And they asked me questions that you would think, what kind of question would they ask? I'm not joking. Everything from how to fix potholes in a libertarian manner to how to defend the country in a libertarian manner. And as I answer those questions and give them real answers, you can watch them begin to change their minds. The way we win hearts and minds is not through philosophy. It's through answers that solve people's current problems. Then, as as you said, then they go and begin to learn their own philosophy and go where they want to go. So I'm sorry I covered a lot, but I just wanted to cover everything you talked about. No, I mean, I I don't think we're in any disagreement. Uh, The final place I wanted to get to is, uh, do you have your own LP affiliate link? Um. I don't know. Um, I don't do my own social media, so I actually don't know. I might. Um, it's possible. Um, maybe. Now my, my, te- was, my, my team is was... listening right now, so if we don't, I'm sure we will. <laughs> so I don't actually know if we do. I assume we do because we have registration. Yes, we must because uh, on my website, we have a way to donate and also to register. So, yes, I assume that we do. Yeah, I think so. So you have one. Now Tom Woods has one. That's a big hurdle, Tom Woods. Uh, yes, uh, but the same thing. Can we he get Dave re- Smith one? He realizes we get one? That this is the answer. <laughs> and I'm thinking a gentleman's wager, right? Who 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 can bring the most members to the party for some representative time, or even better, who can bring the most lifetime members? Yeah, no, it's not it's not going to be fair. Right. I'm I'm going to win that one. I'm the most active of them all. I'm going to win that one. It's not fair. <laughs> it's not fair. I, I, I don't know. Todd. Uh, Tom, Tom uploads five days a week. So That's true, but he's not going to be as dedicated as I am. He has a, a, a much wider issue. I'm on a mission. It's different. I got him. I'm going to beat him. I'm on a mission. So anyway, I want to say All thank right, you no. for the call, my friend. I appreciate it. Thank you. Have a good night. Have a good one. All right. Um, I want to uh, head to Arizona if I can. Um, look, uh, Maybe going a bit off topic. Let's talk about uh, Northern Ireland, but maybe it's good anyway. We'll see. I'm going to grab Rodney. Rodney, how are you? Rodney, you there? Uh, yes, sir. I'm here. Hey, what's going on, my friend? Talk to me. Uh, very good. Um, so my, my question, uh, Mr. Sharp, is this. Um, this year, um, Nancy Pelosi, Speaker of the House, um, made it clear um, that uh, in the uh, Brexit negotiations that in Northern Ireland, um, any move to um put a hard border on Northern Ireland would not be accepted and it was non-negotiable. What's your position on the uh, situation in Northern Ireland um, where there are conflicting decisions, conflicting ideas of where Northern Ireland should be, whether it should remain with the uh, United Kingdom, yep. um, which is the goal, or whether it should become a part of Ireland itself because there are Protestant and Catholic divisions. No, no, I, I get it. There, there, there's, an, there's an issue that most people may not know. The borders on, in Northern Ireland, for those people who may not know, 
um, are are very odd. They're not like a straight line. They're very odd. And the reasons why they're very odd is they were, depending upon what type of peace and what type of ceasefire they would have, they would adjust and shift and where people moved and violence. And they made a lot. It's it's not a clear cut issue. And if there's a Brexit issue, all of a sudden now Ireland, who would be staying in the EU and Northern Ireland that wouldn't be staying in the EU, that now becomes a hard border all of a sudden, right? So for coming across, whether that's for individuals or even when it comes to shipping goods across, a truck going across, all of a sudden now things begin to change and it will be a disaster. The reason that Nancy Pelosi is saying this is her thought process is if she supports this, then her, she wants she wants the pressure to be that this has to be a separate issue when it comes to Brexit. Otherwise, there's a big chance, a high chance of violence erupting again over that border, people fighting, bad things happening. That's her logic behind it. But I will go someplace even more important. Who the hell is Nancy Pelosi to decide what happens in Northern Ireland? Who the hell am I to decide what happens in Northern Ireland? To be full with you, I think Brexit for the UK is probably a bad idea. Not because Brexit is a bad idea, because they didn't plan this at all. That's the reason why. I'm sure you could plan a savvy, smart Brexit. I'm sure that's possible. They have absolutely not done that. They have said, we're mad. We're leaving. Wow, that's dumb. And that's what they've done. And that's a problem. So when North, the problem Northern Ireland pops up, this is going to be a problem. And I'm to be forward and to give Nancy Pelosi credit where credit is due, at least she's bringing up this issue. And it is going to be a problem with Brexit, absolutely. However, I hope the Northern Ireland, uh, people of Northern Ireland and the UK completely ignore Nancy because she is not British. She's not in the parliament. It's not her place. She's not even European. It's not her place. My opinion is if the Brits do Brexit, they have to make a separate negotiation with that border or there will be mega problems. That will eventually mean British troops on the border. That will eventually mean someone getting shot. That will mean an escalation of violence. It is a terrible, terrible idea. Did I answer your question? Um, it does. Uh, I appreciate your answer. Awesome. Thank you, my friend. All right. Going to head back to uh, New York again, heading back to Manhattan, going back to our – by the way, I don't mind bringing up topics that are totally off. You know me. You guys have heard me. I'll take any question. I'm totally fine with that. doesn't really matter. Whatever you want, I'm happy to talk about it. But we're going to talk more about incrementalism with our friend from Manhattan, David. How are you? Hi, Larry. What's going on? Hey, I wanted to uh, ask you a question to understand uh, what you meant about incrementalism. Please. Um, and uh, apologies, my stream is a little bit behind, so you might have already talked about this. But um, I think um, I, I followed your election, and um, I, I believe that um, the turnout uh, was due mainly to um, the fact that you are not exposed to enough uh, enough people, uh, not necessarily that you are too radical or non-incremental. Mm, I so agree. I, I think it would be, I'm not sure if this is what you meant, but I think it would be a mistake to campaign on incremental ideas um, because I think people don't react to it. And also the average person won't understand what libertarianism is about if you focus on incremental ideas. And uh, so my, my question is, is um, 
Is, is that what you meant, like in terms of campaigning? No, let me let me let me uh, g- let me be clear on a couple of things. One, my idea was incremental isn't necessarily in campaigning. It may be or may not be. If my earlier caller, I talked about the idea of messaging and that sometimes I want messaging to be as varied as possible. I want both an absolute message. I want I want a radical message and I want a non-radical message and an incremental message done by different people who think different ways because different people will hear that message depending upon where they are in their own world, right? So I'm not against absolutism. I'm not against incrementalism. I'm, I'm, I want all of those messages to come out so the right person can hear it wherever they are in their world. That's number one. Now, number two, what I meant by incrementalism was in the results that we're getting. Like, for example, the, the uh, idea we brought up was the idea that, look, it would be great if we could legalize all drugs. That'd be amazing. But if we, if we want to legalize cannabis first, I'm not going to say no because we're not legalizing all drugs. I'm going to say, yeah, let's do that first. Let's pull cannabis off schedule one. I'm in. Is that where I want to stop? Of course not. But would I take that if, if, the, if the massive amount of people would say, let's get marijuana, cannabis off schedule one? I'm in. Let's do that. I'm not going to fight that because it isn't what I want. So I would accept incrementalism, absolutely, even though I may be pushing in the long run for something else. When it comes to campaigning, what I want in campaigning is not necessarily incrementalism or not. What I want is an actual solution to a problem that we can achieve quickly, whatever that is. In certain cases, that will be relatively radical. In certain cases, it won't be. And I'm okay either way. The idea of getting people to understand libertarian philosophy, I don't mind as a candidate if they don't. I am. What I want them to do is see us as a party. This is the political arm of the liberty movement. To see us as a party as not crazy, number one. Number two, someone they could actually vote for. Once they vote for us, they will begin to hear who we are. We and our world will begin to show them what the idea of the liberty movement is, libertarian is, and they will probably join one side or the other depending upon where they are. I had someone the other day get mad at me because I was happy that we have a libertarian socialist caucus. And some people hate the fact that I don't rail against the liberty social, libertarian socialists. I don't because it is, it is an entryway for many people from the left to come to our party. And some of them will stay and some of them will move on. I don't mind. So – when it comes to campaigning on incrementalism, I hope no one does that. I hope they campaign on realistic solutions. Some of them may be incremental. Some of them won't. For example, when it came to my cannabis policy, I literally said, I want to regulate cannabis like onions. For most people, that's pretty radical, right? For most people, it's pretty radical. That meaning just 18 years or older to purchase would be the only exception. Otherwise, grow it in your backyard like you would grow onions, whatever, That's radical for many people. That's not incremental for most people. For libertarians, that's incremental because they're like, why does the government regulate anything? Why don't they even regulate onions, right? So for libertarian, that's incrementalism. For the average New Yorker, that was relatively radical. And my point is I don't care. I just wanted to have a solution that would solve multiple problems that wouldn't cost any more taxpayer dollars, that wouldn't increase bureaucracy, that wouldn't have any force or control. If I can do that, I'm in. Did I answer your question? Yes. Thanks, Larry. Awesome. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. 
All right, I'm going to get a little bit off topic. I'm going to head over to North Carolina. I want to make sure I'm getting all the states in that I can possibly get in. Here in North Carolina, talking about the 16th Amendment. This is going to be tough for me, guys, in taxes. Oh, my God. You guys can go down the, uh, the, the, uh, the Constitution road on me. No problem. Talking to Donnie from Charlotte. Donnie, how are you? Donnie, are you there? Yep, I'm here. Talk to me, my friend. Hey, how's it going, Larry? It's going well. Good to hear. I want to say thank you so much for all the work that you have done and are doing both in the Liberty Movement and the Libertarian Party as well. Trying my best, brother. Thanks to having um, Jason Stapleton on last week. That was really good. Yep. But I want to talk uh, about something that I think that doesn't get touched on a lot, and that is in regards to the 16th Amendment. Okay. um, And taxes as well. We all know the federal government's not going to stop their spending anytime soon. Nope. Um, and I personally think that in regards to the Ninth and Tenth Amendment, this is like an issue where the states are going to have to start nullifying, you know, the the way that um, the federal government and also to the states to some extent kind of steal taxes and money from the citizens. Because I think if we create that initial um, flashpoint of economic freedom, I think a lot of these other issues that we have in regards to, you know, our debt and you know. More military intervention. I think those things will get short up in the back end. What's some like ideas or solutions in terms of like bridging the gap of I don't know, explaining to people here's how the government kind of steals money from you. Yeah. Here's a, some ways we can fight back. Yes, it's a great question. And the problem that many people have as they move down the the rabbit hole that is the libertarian movement, libertarian party, is they begin to find out things that literally you know they find out the 16th Amendment. What happened there? Ninth and Tenth Amendment. What happened there? Oh my God. I get that all the time. But if you notice, I rarely bring these things up. It is very rare that I will speak amendments. Very rare I'll bring those up. Here or there, but it's rare. And the reason is most Americans couldn't name three amendments. They couldn't even name them. Sure. They have no idea what it's about. Not just that. Most Americans literally don't care. And I know it sounds horrible, but that's my audience, right? My audience is the average American. For some people, that's not their audience. That's mine. This show, my movement is to get as many people to hear us, to believe we're real, to want to talk to us and to learn. I'm the recruiter. You guys are the teachers and trainers. I'm the recruiter. I bring them all in, right? That's my, that's my part of this. You hardcore guys, your job is to go, thank you, Larry. We'll take it from here. That's your job, right? So I rarely talk about those things because for most people who will talk about those things, they're pretty much already on our side or – They've already decided it doesn't matter. So I tend not to talk that much about them. I talk about how these things hurt others or how not, not paying attention will help others. Right? I bring that up. I talk about those issues, how when the, when the federal government oversteps its boundaries, look who is hurt. Look how much money is wasted. Look at what your, what your individual friends, family, how they're hurt by it. Right. So someone will say something like – um. For example, you might say, well, there's no way that the federal government should be able to tax us, right? Many libertarians will say that. Income tax yeah. is unconstitutional. You shouldn't do it. Why do we have a, you know, these amendments, the 13th Amendment to happen, blah, 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 et cetera. But you bring that up, the average American says, look, I just, I just want my roads. That's what they say. So it's rare for me to bring it up. How do I make it happen? I talk about the idea that, look, if the federal government's taxing you and the state's taxing you and your local community's taxing you and you're paying sales tax and you're paying this tax and that tax, think about how much money you're paying in taxes. Are you happy with what the government's doing? 
the vast majority of Americans will say no. And I go, great, that we agree upon. So now let me ask you, what's your recourse? And they have none. Once that happens, the light goes on. They often go, oh, you're right, I have no recourse. There's no remedy for this. What's the remedy? Yell at your guy? Do they respond? No. You've been voting for 20, 30 years. What's changed? Nothing. And every election, every election is the most important election of our lifetime. Everyone is. And when you start talking that way, you find people very often go, oh. And now we all of a sudden begin to realize, wait a minute, something's wrong here. And that will draw them in, I hope, to the liberty movement. Then they'll start going down that rabbit hole. And how you know you're winning is when all of a sudden they come back to you and go, hey, wait a minute. That 60th Amendment thing, I Googled it, and this thing, the second that happens, you win. This movement really is not about being right or being wrong because we are right. It's clear. It's what it's about is hundreds of conversations, getting people to believe that they really are part of us the whole time. I mean, I I was a libertarian for many years, and I didn't know it, and I think many people are that way. So our job is not to yell at them, call them names. We'll show them how right we are, but to have conversations so they figure out, wow, I've been here the whole time. Does that make sense? Yeah. Awesome. Thank you for the call, my friend. I appreciate it. No problem. Thank you. All righty. Um, I'm going to stay in the South for a bit. I'm going to head down to Atlanta. That's where we're heading now. Staying in the South for a bit. We're going to talk uh, to Joseph. He wants to talk about uh, Mr. Hornberger. That's what we want to talk about. So, uh, Joseph, how are you? Doing good, Larry. How are you? I'm doing great. What's going on? Talk to me. All right, so I want to ask you about uh, uh, Jacob Hornberger. Okay, he uh, he's running for uh, for president on the Libertarian ticket. Yes, I've met him and before. He's gotten oh, okay, cool. And um, he, I know he's gotten a lot of endorsements from uh, like Tom Woods, Scott Horton, Dave Smith. He is a Mises guy. Yeah, he's a Mises guy. Yeah, he is. So I was I want to ask you about what you think about him for president, kind of going along with this incrementalism thing you've been talking about. Well, I, I don't think of him as an incrementalist at all. Okay. Um, I'm, and I, that may not be a bad thing, to be clear. Again, I, yeah. I think we want to have different messages to include the more forward, more radical messages. But I think we want to have all of them. Different people respond to all of them. I don't see him as an incrementalist at all. I see him much okay. more as a, this is the way it should be. Get rid of the taxes. Get rid of this. Get rid of that. He focuses heavily on economic issues, um, which for many people, that's good. Sadly, I think for him, he, I, in my opinion, and if he's listening and people are missing, listening, I'm sure they are, maybe they'll pay attention here. Um, if he wants to, to actually be able to move people, he's got to shift his message also into the social aspect, which I don't, I don't feel he's that guy. I could be wrong. I mean, I'm not paying that mm-hmm. much attention, so maybe I'm wrong. But my feeling is he isn't doing that enough, and this election is heavily about social issues. Right, everyone believes the economy is going to be awesome, or whatever the case may be. Whether right. it is or not, we'll find out. Uh, but I think uh, the bigger issue, he's going to have to be able to draw people in with the social issues, so they will hear him, and then they'll hear him when he talks about the financial issues. It is rare that you will hear me talk about finances first. I will often talk about emotion. I, I have a theory about communication in general. It is always ETL: emotion, then logic. Right. Logic is important. Yeah. Emotion is important. But the order matters. 
It's, it goes by the old saying, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. So I, my, my, my gut is Jacob's a very smart man. That is clear. He knows his stuff. That is clear. There's no doubt. I don't think anybody thinks that's not true. The issue is, will he be able to be emotional enough up front to get people in so they will hear how smart he is? Does that make sense? Yeah, it does make sense. Yeah. So that's my opinion. If you're yeah. going to ask me to endorse somebody now, I'm not. Oh, no. I was just, I was just <laughs> wondering what you thought There's about too him. many people <laughs> running right now. There's no way I'm going to endorse. Uh, yeah. Too many. Yeah. I, yeah, I guess that's kind of what I frustrates me about some of the Mises people is that they always lead with, like, the economic thing first. Which, the Mises, you know, yeah. What do you expect from yeah, them? Which, which, is, which is a very important issue, but you've got to meet the people where they're at because not everyone yeah. has read Human Action and Man, Economy, and State. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Now, I'm I'm a, I'm a big fan of the caucus. I'm glad I'm glad we have them. They're very important. They 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 matter tremendously to Libertarian Party. And I'm very glad that that caucus has gone out of its way to bring more people into the actual party. As one of our previous callers mentioned, I'm very happy yeah. about that. Without Mises Caucus, we don't have Tom Woods in the party. We probably don't have Dave Smith in the That's party. True. Right? We probably don't have That's them true. in the party yeah. with without them. Yeah. I'm not sure we even yeah. have Holmberger in the party without them. So yeah. I'm very happy they exist. If, if you're listening, Mises, please keep stay. We, we love you. We love you. Awesome. <laughs> but the point is yeah. a valid one. You do want to have that emotional side, right, that, that, that will yeah. draw people in so they'll hear you. Yeah. Good. I hope I answered your question. Yeah, thank you. Awesome. Thank you, brother. Have a good night. All right. Um, I think I'm going to head back to New York. I've been, I don't want to ignore my New Yorkers. I'm going to head to Dutchess County. That's where I'm heading now in New York, which is a little bit up. Those of you who don't know, it's a little bit upstate, uh, not upstate kind of-ish. I'm going to talk to uh, Christian. Christian, how are you? Hey, Larry. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. Talk to me, my friend. Um, just wanted to bring up the idea that um, it's difficult to convince people that it's not a wasted thing yes. to vote for third parties of any type. Yes, it is. What would you say would be the most effective way? Because it was a difficult thing to convince people of in 2018. I agree. And it was one of the reasons that that I didn't do as well as I could have done. I think you're totally right. Many people thought it was a wasted vote. And what I would ask and what I often say now, right, I, I get this often. People will say things like, well, why would you waste your vote with Larry? He can't win. He can't make any impact. And this happens on social media. I'm not joking. Probably weekly. Is someone still mm-hmm. angry about something and this and that, whatever the case may be? It's, it's often that it happens. And what I would say is this. For those who don't know, in my election, I got 2%. Not a huge amount, right? Enough to get ballot access, awesome, but not a huge amount. I wanted a whole lot more, obviously, right? 2%. The Republican got over 30%. Now, obviously, those of you who know New York, New York State's a very blue state. The Democrat was probably going to win. Democrat got over 60%. So in this case, the Republican got 30%. Most of the people who... Who and I use this all the time, who voted either left or right, got exactly nothing. Nothing changed. They got nothing. If you took your time, money, and energy yeah. and put it into the Republican Party, you got nothing. Everything the Republicans said he was going to do, not only did he not do it because he couldn't, but his ideas are gone. And those of you remember who were in New York, he talked about the idea of a 30% reduction in tax. Where's that idea? Is he pushing it somewhere? Is the party talking about it? No, gone. So what, oh, going to stop corruption? What happened? Gone. Never heard of it. Gone. Nothing. So it was a bunch of lies to get people to keep the Republican Party second place and to move on. If you're a Democrat, what did he tell you? He's, oh, we're going to get rid of corruption. What happened? 
Gone. Nothing. We're going to legalize cannabis. What happened? Gone. Nothing. So everything he said lied. Not just that. We're going to fix the budget. New York State has a $6 billion shortfall. $6 billion shortfall. Just New York State. That's how bad we are. If you vote a Republican or Democrat in New York State, you got nothing. Zero change. That was a wasted vote. But I would ask you, if you're a Republican, if you're, if you're not, you're libertarian, and you spent your time, money, energy in my campaign, you did get change. In Western New York, it was libertarians who fought the SAFE Act. For those of you who don't know, the SAFE Act is an anti-gun law in New York State. We fought it to where right now in several Western counties, literally there are DAs who've openly said they will not enforce aspects of the, SAFE, of the SAFE Act, and some sheriffs have said they will not enforce it at all. This was literally my policy. This was our policy. We brought it up. Not just that. I was the one talking about the Erie Canal. Again, for those of you not in New York, we have the Erie Canal, upstate New York. It is a massive canal that goes basically from Buffalo to Albany. It goes several hundred miles. I think it's about 500 miles, I think. Uh, I probably messed it up. But it's many miles. There's like 30-some-odd locks on it. It's huge. And it costs us right now in New York State, we lose about $95 million every year. I took an idea of making it commercially viable. Well, guess what happened this year? There's a proposal to make the Erie Canal commercially viable. That was our idea. Not just that. In the MTA in New York City, the actual subway system is a disaster. It costs us four times more to repair a mile of track than any other major city in the planet. I said, why aren't we copying what some of them are doing? Those that have both unions like we do and safety issues like we do and old um, uh, tracks and such and old infrastructure like we do. Copy some of their stuff. They did. For that, they did not shut down the L line. For those of you who don't know, the L line is a line that goes from Manhattan to Brooklyn. All of those businesses on that route now still have customers. That's from us. That's impact that we made. If you spent your time, money, and energy on the Libertarian Party, on my campaign, you actually got change. Not a lot of change, but some with only 2%. Imagine if I had got 30%. Imagine if I had come in second. Imagine the change that would have happened if I only came in second, didn't even win, right? Didn't even win. I predicted that with these red flag laws, there would be a standoff with somebody. It would happen. I said, it's going to happen. What happens when someone simply refuses, when someone resists? That just happened a couple days ago. It was yesterday. I was away in Hawaii, so I apologize, guys. I wasn't here for it. But it happened here in New York. And people were like, Larry Sharp told us this. Yeah. But did the press call me? No. Why? Because New York, you didn't vote for me. If New York had voted for me and I'd gotten 30%, I would have been the first person they call. And I would have been railing against red flag laws in our state right now. Where are the Republicans? Are they railing against them? They're doing nothing. They're doing nothing. They're just supporting the police. That's it. That's all Republicans are doing. Nothing. And, that, and they're the Second Amendment party in, in my state, in theory. They're not in practice. In practice, only we are. Imagine if I'd come in at second... I'd be on TV right now saying, see, stop these red flag laws, getting more people to believe it, and turning people more towards a pro-2A state. That would be happening right now. That is how I tell people. You make impact, impact when you vote third party. If you vote Republican and Democrat, which we've been voting for decades, you get exactly the same thing. No change. That is a wasted vote. You can say you've won because you voted for your guy or gal. Awesome. You're a winner. 
while your state continues to collapse, while our country continues to collapse. That's the equivalent of saying, I hit a home run and we got blown out 10 to one. Does that make sense? Did I lose you? I guess I went too long of a rant and I lost him. All right, so I do rant sometimes, guys. I apologize. But yes, uh, there is a way of saying it on a wasted vote because you are the only one affecting change. You are affecting others. The third party vote, and I say libertarian party vote, allows for other people to be better Democrats and better Republicans. And again, the example I give you is here in New York State. Last year, zero victories. This year, 103, 96 people who are non-libertarians had to at least focus libertarian, recognize libertarian values, talk about them in rhetoric at a minimum. That's change. They took up some of our ideas. There are better Republicans and better Democrats in our state today because of our campaign last year. Better. It is incremental. I know. But it's incremental change in New York State or none. And remember something, we are the least free state in the union. We get small change here, we get massive change in other states. Think about that. I hope that was a, a clear answer. All right, want to keep going if I could. I'm going to go back to North Carolina, head over to uh, Eric. We're going to talk to Eric in North Carolina. He wants to go back to our incrementalism idea, which I love. That was what the uh, show was kind of about in a way. Uh, Eric, how are you? I'm doing well. Talk to me, my friend. What's going on? So I'm, uh, I'm on the LPNC, uh, Libertarian Party of North Carolina. I am the coalition director, uh, development director. And Hold on. Is this Mr. Routsep? Yes, it is. My brother, I still have your shirt. I wore it the other day. Hey, how are you doing? I'm doing good. good. Routsep 2018, glad. brother. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, yes, uh, incrementalism absolutely vital for reaching out to single issue organizations yes i know that with the hrc or the human rights uh council or commission uh predominantly with lgbtq issues mm -hmm. that is absolutely vital i mean these are single uh, single issue organizations and they want to affect change they're doing it incrementally and now if we come and play with their rules and we take our libertarian principles and our libertarian values and share in their goals through our methodology, mm -hmm. we get more victories. Yes. Now, we get now, more people working with the Libertarian Party that would have never considered the yes. Libertarian Party in the past. Yes, you've hit it perfectly. And the reality of it is when those people come, some of them are not going to stay. Right. For the sake of the uh, Absolutely. Uh, in any GSM community or 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 LGBTQ plus community in those communities, mm -hmm. many of those people mm -hmm. are going to go back to the Democratic Party. I get that. Yes. But some aren't. Absolutely. Some aren't. And right. I'll take any of them I can get. I want them as if I can get two out of ten, I'll take it. Whatever I can get. I want to draw them. And you are so correct. The problem is many people say, well, they're just going to go back to Democrats. Yeah, most are. That's fine. If you go to two aid groups, many of them go back to Republicans. I got it. Many do. But not all of them do. You're exactly right. you said it before. You said it before. Once you get them to open up to libertarian values the first time, they're there with us 
for life. Yes. Even if they're not standing on our party line, mm-hmm. they're listening. And, and at they're a minimum, sharing our principles. At a minimum, they become neutral or an ally, no longer an enemy. Exactly. That's the number one. No longer, because I still see it. And I'm sure you do too. The second you say libertarian, oh, yes. there's somebody who goes, you guys are crazy or you want to kill people or to hell with you or whatever that thing is, right? They become our active enemy. But if we were with them yes. on at least one issue, just one, mm-hmm. and at, the worst they do is go, whatever, and walk away. I'll take whatever over openly attacking. And very often, they'll save you a seat at their table to continue the discussion. Also true. I find that very often. The amount of people now, particularly those um, more, I guess, non-establishment candidates that are running in the Republican Democratic Party and even as independents, Mm -hmm. many of them reach out to me. They reach out to me and ask me questions. How did you do this? What's your thought process on this? How did you put this together? They will very often ask my opinion and questions on these things because they see us at least as viable, right? Okay, these guys have good ideas. They're viable. Let's talk about it. Now, they rarely give me any credit, but that's fine. I don't, I don't, I don't need the credit. I've got a show. I'm already a, a star. Look at me. I'm a star. So I'm already a star. It's fine, right? But um, if they're making the change, it's fine. This goes back to when I was on Joe Rogan. At the end of Joe Rogan, mm-hmm. Joe Rogan said, Larry, your ideas are great. You know, who made up these ideas? I said, well, me and my policy team put them together. It's, they're our ideas. He said, you better lock these ideas down. I said, why? He goes, people will take them. I said, good, take them. If you take the ideas, I don't have to run anymore. Make my life easier. I hope they take them all. <laughs> so, yeah, all good. Very happy to have that happen. So, Eric, I agree with Absolutely. you completely, brother. Yes, we need more of it, and that's going to be the – the victory, but I also agree with you. We need also the, the the people that want it all instantaneously because that's a vital message and that proves our uh, our principles and our ideals as well. So that's very vital to have as well. Absolutely. And, and even though, again, the, the, the critical point is if you want to accept an incremental place, it doesn't mean you give up on the the goal the end game it doesn't mean you give up on the principle no. right if we're Absolutely. if we're turning the ship Absolutely. around i brought this up this weekend right our nation right now is lockstep marching towards oligarchy if it isn't there already right i mean it's literally going right towards it i just want to turn the ship around let it face that way let's do that first mm-hmm. once it's facing the right way eh, then we can start you know deciding exactly where we're going we're going to stop how we're going to move forward let's go the right direction I said this years ago. It had to be maybe 2017, 2016. I forgot when it was. And I was saying, I just want to turn the ship around and point it towards liberty. I can't wait till I, my views, are the status views. I can't wait till that's the thing when they're like, Larry, show up and his status. I can't wait till I'm the status. That would be awesome when that time comes. Uh, oh, yeah. Right? That would be amazing. <laughs> that would be amazing. Let's hope one day we get there. That'd be amazing. So, yes. Eric, it's awesome to hear from you. Thank you so much, brother. Thank you for doing this. And you have amazing listeners who ask really poignant questions. I love hearing your show. I'm a regular listener. Actually, I'm drinking coffee out of your mug right now. There we go, brother. That's mine. I got water in mine. But, yes, I'm with you. Thank you. Absolutely. Have a great night. Thank you so much. Have a good one, my friend. So, yes, I'm glad people are paying attention and listening. I actually met Eric in North Carolina, ooh, I'm thinking 2017. I forgot when it was. It was a while ago. 
Um, but I was out there uh, uh, meeting the the people down there at one of their conventions. So I just got back from the uh, from the Hawaiian convention. All right, let me walk down. I got a couple more calls I want to try to get to, guys. While I'm here, it's the beginning of the second hour. If you want to get on, I know some of you the 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 uh, phone lines were packed for a while. Some of you probably got a busy signal. I apologize. Some are open again. If you want to get on, please make sure you have a call. Five seven three four two seven five four six three. It's been the program to to chat and ask me any question you want, whether it's about incrementalism, the Sixteenth Amendment, or Northern Ireland. All good. Happy to talk about all those things. All right, I want to grab Russ if I can. We are now heading over to Illinois. I am uh, staying out of New York for a bit, but going to chat um, to Russ from Illinois. I think we'll talk about uh, Democrats and Republicans. Ah, I like that. This is always a uh, a good time. I want to talk to Russ now. Russ, how are you? Russ, you there? Yeah. What's going hey, on, Mary, my friend? How are you? I'm doing great. Good. Good, good, good. Uh, so I wanted to talk to you just a minute about uh, – I, I love the uh, first half of the show uh, where we're talking about incrementalism. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's certainly something that uh, you were pushing for uh, with uh, uh, with the New York race. But uh, the second thing that I wanted to talk Hold to you on. about – Hold on. Is was, this Russ from uh, my policy team? Yes. Russ, my brother, how are you? Well, my friends are calling today. It's amazing. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. <laughs> I love it. Someone's paying attention. Well done. Yes. Yes. Well, yes, yes. We, 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 it, it's not. You don't require that the show is mandatory viewing, but uh, we all want to watch anyway. I love it, and for those of you uh, who love my policies, Russ is a part of that team that puts together my awesome policies. It's not all me. I know you all think I'm super smart. I am, but no. Uh, the policies are not just mine. They are a group of people who get together and care, and we chat and talk, and we come up with great ideas. And Russ is part of that team. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Russ. No, no, no. That's all right. Uh, so one of the things that I wanted to talk about, or I was hoping to talk to about tonight, was uh, one of the reasons that the Republicans and Democrats are going to attack us so hard yes. uh, in the presidential race. Yep. And that is, uh, we got, we are becoming more socially acceptable. In other words, uh, the reason that they're uh, giving us uh, marijuana, the reason that they're reforming uh, criminal justice in this country is because we, they recognize that we have a point. Yes. And uh, libertarians make up between 6 to 9% of the national vote, mm-hmm. um, we, even though we only get 2 or 3% uh, nationwide. And what they're trying to do is they're trying – is I believe that they're trying to make this uh, continue game theory. In other words, you can only have option A or option B. Yes. And the more that we grow this party, the more that that uh, comes that that whole game theory comes into. uh, Yes. uh, Starts to fall apart. Let me let me bring up both left and right in this case, both of them. First off, one that was obvious and one that wasn't the one that was not obvious is Democrat one. It was all of a sudden Hillary Clinton comes out and attacks Tulsi Gabbard. Remember that? She comes out and says, Tulsi Gabbard is going to be a third party spoiler. And everyone thought, that's an attack on Tulsi. It wasn't. That was an attack on us. And what she did was she said, because she knows that libertarians, when it comes to libertarians, there's a chunk of us who really like Tulsi Gabbard. And she was worried that Tulsi Gabbard might run as libertarian. But she's also worried that maybe some Republican who loses in February might also come over 
and run Libertarian, whether it's uh, Joe Walsh or Bill Weld. Or, I know Bill, people got mad already. I just said Bill Weld. But whatever. It might be anyone like that who <laughs> might come over, right? I know that's – they know that's a possibility in our world. So, of course, she knows that, to your point, right now, this is going to be a very close election. We know this already, right? Uh, unless something crazy happens in the next you know, six or nine months – this is going to be a very close election and decided in probably four or five states. Most people agree with that right now. As of now, who knows what will happen in the next six to eight months. But as of now, people will believe that. Well, to your point, 6% or 3% could decide a state, literally, could decide a state. We, and that could, that could put one, someone in the House, I mean in the White House, right? So when she says yeah. – she didn't just go, Tulsi Gabbard's bad. She didn't say that. That would be an attack on her. What she said was she's primed to be a third-party Russian spoiler. What she actually did was say any third party is run by the Russians. That's what she said, which means any third party is for Trump. That's what Hillary was actually saying, and I can guarantee you that rhetoric will go out after they pick their nominee in June. That rhetoric will, rhetoric will be everywhere, how the third party is, is that's the Russians trying to affect the election. That will be the excuse if Democrats lose, right? If they lose, that'll be excuse. If Democrats win, they'll yep. see how we beat the Russians, right? So either way, Democrats will use this as their, their idea as to why they either lost or how powerful they were if they won. That's what that was. It's exactly to your point. Now, let me go to the other side, the, the Republicans. This year, Kentucky, right? Kentucky, the, the governor, the, the uh, Democratic governor wins by 5,000 votes or so. And Libertarian Party guy gets about 25,000 votes, right? So what do Republicans say? See how the Libertarians spoiled it and gave the Democrats the vote? All of a sudden now we give Democrats the vote, right? So if you're Hillary Clinton, we give the Republicans the votes. And if we're, if we're in Kentucky, we give uh, whatever, Republicans the vote. We, we give the opposite guy the votes either way. So they mentioned that. But what neither of them says is, wow, we should have better candidates. Neither of them says that. Oh, I agree. Right. Neither of them actually says we should have better candidates because to my earlier point, a strong libertarian party, a strong third party forces them to have better candidates and they don't want to have better candidates. They don't want to have to actually do anything or be responsible or actually do what they say. They want to be able to have rhetoric that attacks the other and then scare you into the A or B, as you mentioned. And then all of a sudden, boom, it happens. I think you're completely correct. That's exactly what happened and is happening in both Kentucky and across the state. Totally true. And what it means is that we're winning. We're winning. Oh, I agree. Now, New York. Go uh, ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, oh, I was going to say, you know, uh, because we undervote, in other words, our actual followers don't actually vote for the party. They tend to. They, I think the majority tend to stay either in the R&D camps. Yeah, they get scared. The, yeah. Mm-hmm. But there's another there's another fraction, too, and that's uh, the people who don't vote. Yes, um, absolutely. Now, now the R&Ds believe that these are just – they're perennially lost. Mm-hmm. You're never going to get to activate those voters. What we have found is, is that if we go out and we talk to some of those voters – some of those voters do actually come out and vote for you. Absolutely. You that saw was, it happen that, in New York. Happened. Yes. Right. Every single and time so I would go out to an event and ask that question, you know, many times people would say, I just, I registered for the first time. I registered the first mm-hmm. time this year. I registered I could vote for you, Larry. That happened often. You're right. 
And so I would encourage all those libertarian candidates that are out there for 2020 to go out and actively seek out those people that they're registered to vote, but they've never actually voted before. Yes. And they don't vote in the Republican or Democratic primary. Yes. Go talk to those people because those people are, they don't, if they may or may not vote in the general, and they're probably not going to vote in the general because that's how we know who they are. <laughs> right, exactly. Yes. But, yes. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> Absolutely. But, but, uh, uh, but go out and talk to them. And if you, because the R's and D's aren't, yes. they're not going to waste the candidate's time Absolutely. going to that house that never votes. That's but exactly if you right. Go to that, if, if you go to that house and meet with them and learn what their issues are, Yes, I, I mean, bet you, I bet you at least you, you'll 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 get half. If you look, you'll get at, half of the people. You look at some of the voting um, from my 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 um, my um, election last year, right? There are some parts of North Country in New York, and those who don't know, North Country is the part close to the border of Canada in New York State. That area where I got twenty eight percent of the vote in certain precincts. Why would I get twenty eight? That's massive amount of vote. Why so much? Because I was the only guy who showed up there. Literally, that's the reason. No one else bothered to show up. I did. And I talked to those people you talked about exactly. I talked to those people, asked them what they felt, had answers for them, and they went, I like this guy. And they voted for me. So I think you're totally correct. Mm -hmm. I think the data from our last election proves you're absolutely true. I appreciate that. Thank you, Russ. I appreciate the call. uh, Yeah. Yep. No, uh, go ahead. Something else talk. Oh, okay. I was going to say, last thing. Uh, that, that doesn't only happen in New York. We saw that here in Illinois, too, uh, where uh, we had better results just talking to people who never actually voted before. You mean the, the motivated and awesome Cash Jackson? <laughs> Not only Cash Jackson, but the uh, awesome and motivated uh, Steve Dutner. Oh, yes, him, too. I love him. Yes. He didn't run for governor. What did he run for again? Uh, he ran for Secretary of State. Thank you, Secretary of State. Yes, I like oh, him tremendously. Yeah, yes. Yes, and that and that's an important one for us because here in Illinois, uh, that office uh, investigates all the identity theft. There we go uh, for the entire state. So nice. it's important. Absolutely, no, yep. I agree. So yes, thank you, Larry. I think we're seeing it everywhere. Thank you so much, Russ. I appreciate. It. Have a good night. Yep. Yep. You too. Bye. All righty, great. Um, I want to grab. I'm going to go out of country now. We're actually going to the Dominican Republic. We are going. We are international show. See that. We're, you guys thought we're just New York? We're, not, we're across the country. We're all over the place. Talking to Samuel. How are you, Sam? Oh, great, great. What's going on, brother? You need to turn down your uh, computer. There we go. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sure thing. Talk to me. What's going on? All right. Uh, how's it going? Good. Uh, doing great. Doing great. Yeah. Uh, remember me? I do. We, uh, we met oh, okay. at a Turning Point event in New Jersey. Is that correct? Yes, yes, we did. Absolutely. Talk to me, brother. What's going on? What's your question? Um, so I got a couple of questions. Is that all right with you? Give me one. We'll see. If you bore me, no. I'm kidding. Go ahead, please. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, so what challenges in the 2018 election and, um, and currently are you facing making your libertarian ideas heard? And what can you New Yorkers and outside New Yorkers do to make you win? Um, I don't think you could have asked a broader question. All right, so let me try to pin it down a little bit. Um, one of the, the – I'm not really – look, in 2018, I was trying to gain votes more than anything else for myself, right? And people ask, Larry, what are you doing now? You're not running for anything. 
I'm trying to get votes for others, right? I'm trying to get other people to, to gain those votes. I'm trying to do what I talk about often, right? I, I, I'm trying to be the change that I want to see. People often fight, and for 2018 and 2020 and 2022, we talk about what's more important, the top of the ticket or the bottom of the ticket. But the top of the ticket is like governor, president, senator, top of the ticket. And the bottom of the ticket is that local, that city council, that uh, assembly person, that kind of thing. What's more important? They're both important. This is not a one or the other. The top of the ticket tends to get the most press, and the bottom of the ticket tends to have the best chance for victory. The goal is to get the press to go down. So top of the ticket has support bottom of the ticket. That's what I did this year. I got some amount of celebrity, a minor amount, but I'll take what I can get, a small amount of celebrity in New York State from running for governor. I then took that and went across the state and tried to give some of that to others to get the press to show up, to get people to come, to help people give money. So I was supporting the bottom of the ticket, and I think that's a big reason why we got so many victories this year. So what is my challenge? Two things. Number one, enough people to support the way I do, right? The most important thing is to get others to agree and to show up. If you've ever seen me go to an event, and you did, you saw me when I went to the Turning Point event, I actually thanked people for showing up. Showing up matters. Getting people to show up in seats is the biggest challenge. If they actually show up in the seats, we can rock and roll. That's the answer. Show up in the seats, we can rock and roll, because now you can hear me, see me as a person, I can talk to you. Number one challenge is having to show up. Most people think there's no value in showing up. Why bother? I'm not going to learn anything. It's going to give me the same garbage you always give me. And Democrats, Republicans are going to run this thing. So getting people to show up is one of my biggest issues. If I get people to show up, things begin to change. And to do that, people have to you, – I've got to tell you. I've got to say, hey, Sam, do me a favor. Show up tonight. Hey, bring a friend. We don't do that. That's probably my number one issue. And that's everywhere. If you can get people to events – you can get them to the polling booth. At Bernie taught us this. Trump taught us this. Trump is still teaching us this. He's still doing it, right? Has big rallies and people show up. Bernie still does it, right? This, these people taught us this in 2016. I tried to copy it in 2018. Clearly, I, I wasn't good enough. But I tried to copy it in 2018. Yeah. I'm trying to copy with others in 2019. We've got to do it even better in 2020. So, so there are many things, but the number one thing is getting people to show up. Did that answer your first question? Uh, yes. Okay. Yes. You get another one. And uh, I got another one. Um, well, you wrote these down. Should, I like that. Uh, yeah. Uh, should street racing be legal? Should street what? Street racing. Street racing. That's a local issue. I think yeah. local people should decide what they think is appropriate. I don't think it's a, it's a, it's not a big issue for me. It really isn't a big issue for me. Um, I think uh, people should, local people should decide what works best on the local streets. Um, if they're happy to have, my, my assumption is if you put it to local people, they'd probably find a place that people would like to go race. I assume they would. So I think it's a local issue. Okay. And um, what is your view on Samaritan uh, laws and your view on countries that don't have Samaritan laws where most people are afraid to save a life? because they may be sued by the person that they saved. Wow, you asked some very obscure questions. Okay, no worries, I'm happy to answer them. Um, uh, I, I like the idea of intent mattering. And as a general rule, when you have highly litigious environments, states, countries, cities, the intent becomes unimportant. All that matters is blame, right? So 
Um, I'm on the ground having a heart attack. Someone comes over, does the wrong thing, right? The intent of trying to help me is irrelevant. Instead, I died and I might not have died if something else had happened. So therefore the person's punished. I think that's what you mean by good Samaritan laws, correct? Uh, I think so. Yeah. Yes. I think that's what you mean. And my point is we always, this is human nature. It is culture and important to understand that intent matters. Difference between, you know, like a murder one or a murder two or murder three. I don't know details, but it's basically the idea of, you know, basically I'm being very basic here because I'm not a lawyer. Just be clear. Basically, the murder one is basically I wanted to kill that person. I planned to kill that person. Then I killed that person. That's murder one. You know, murder two and three, I forgot which is which, so I'm sure some lawyer will correct me. But it's basically like, I didn't mean to kill the person, but then I did. And the other one, I wasn't trying to kill that person, but I got mad, and then I killed them. So all three of those are different forms of, of murder. The person died either way, but society looks upon them differently based upon intent. And I think if you don't have good Samaritan laws, then the intent part goes away. It just supports punishment. And when it supports punishment, people tend to not react. Right, people who are afraid make bad decisions, or worse, they just freeze. I hope I answered your question. Okay, awesome. Um, Thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. What is? Oh, you got one more. All right, one more. Oh. That's it. I got people on the line. One more. All right. Sorry about that. Um, so, um, um, what is the libertarian view on the U.S. negotiating with terrorists? Gotcha. All right. Uh, I I don't know what the libertarian view is. To be forward with you, I'll tell you my view. Is that okay? Uh, yeah, sure. Thanks. Good. Talk to everyone. Let me say that one more time. Talk to everyone. Talk doesn't mean give in. Talk doesn't mean surrender. Talk means talk to everyone. And let me give you two examples. Lincoln said, and he was savvy when he said it. He said, if I've turned my enemy to my friend, have I not destroyed my enemy? Yes, it's fine. Talk to everyone. And I'll give you the biggest example. I'm going to use Godwin's Law. Some of you know what Godwin's Law is. I'm going right to Godwin's Law. Nazis. Right to Godwin's Law. Nazis. And people say, you want to talk to Nazis? In World War II, we had an unconditional surrender uh, concept out for for both the Nazis and the Japanese. Germans and the Japanese. That was a terrible idea. Why? Literally. And if you guys think I'm wrong, do your homework on this. The, the Germans tried to kill Hitler over 40 times. Over 40 times. They failed each time. They tried to kill him over 40 times. And one of the reasons why is we wouldn't support them. Enough people in Germany wouldn't support a, a new regime because we wouldn't talk to them. If we had just talked to them and said, you know what? Give us Hitler and whatever. 10, 12, insert number of guys that we want from them. Give us these guys. Pull your troops out of all the countries. And we'll talk peace. They've just done that. We could have ended the war in 1944. Ended the war. Now, well, wait a minute. We couldn't be righteous and bomb the Germans into submission. Yes, but think of all the people who died in the last year of that war. All the Americans who died, the Germans who died, the Russians who died, the French who died. All the people who died. The the Jews who were in the camps who got murdered in the last year of the war. None of those people die. They all don't die if we just Talk to our enemy. Does it mean we surrender to the Germans? Of course not. Does it mean we surrender to to the terrorists? Of course not. But if you talk to them, you have a chance of peace, which is what I want. 
if we don't talk to them, we just keep bombing them and we're in perpetual war, which is where we are now. So I don't know what the libertarian view is. Mine is you talk to everyone always, no exception, all the time. Talk, talk, talk. It's the only way you can actually win a peace. We can win a war and lose a peace. I want to win the peace. That only happens if we talk. Did I answer your question? Yeah. Awesome, brother. Thank you. I got to throw you off now. I got more people on the line. All right. Thank you so much. Have a good one, brother. Talk to you soon. Bye. All right. right. I want to head over. I'm going to go back to New York because I do love New York. It is my state. I'm going to uh, Orange County. I'm talking uh, about upcoming elections and petitions. Yes, that is going to be a tough one. We are talking to Joe from Orange County. Joe, how are you? Joe, are you there? Yes, I'm here. What's going on, Joe? Talk to me. How's it going, Larry? How are you? I'm doing great. I'm sitting here yapping away on a Monday night with you guys. What could be better? Thank you for doing that. Absolutely. Um, We look forward to seeing you in January, by the way. And I know it's going to be published shortly, but we can't wait to see you on January 11th. So thank you for that. Um, am I going? I am I going someplace January eleventh? Uh, we've we've been told that you, you're coming up to Orange County for a little meeting. Then I am. Yes, I believe you. <laughs> I believe you. <laughs> Great. Remember, I'm I'm. Uh, so, I just do what my team tells me. So yes, I guess I'll be there. <laughs> awesome. Oh, great, great. So my question is. Um, because of the upcoming elections for state and Congress next year, Mm -hmm. um, I know, for instance, the presidential, um, uh, well, the petitions to get a candidate on the presidential ballot starts December 31st of this year. Yep. And then uh, for statewide races, state assemblies, state senate, with uh, February 25th, Mm -hmm. petitions start. And it's only a one-month window. Uh, What do you, what should you you recommend for those that are on the ground here in not just Orange County, but all over the state of New York and and other parts of the country that has to do the petitioning process, as well as the whole election process. What do you recommend for us to do going ahead? That's a very broad question also, but I'll give you um, two general rules. Number one, I'm not that concerned, and it's going to sound crazy, but one Hmm. thing libertarians are really good at is getting on the ballot. Getting petitions. Mm. Man, do we jump through hoops and make it happen. This is one of our skill sets. Winning elections, not so much. But getting on the ballot, oh my God, are we amazing at that. I mean, does any third party even come close to getting the ballot as much as we do? We are really good at that. In fact, during the campaign in 2018, a lot of people were worried. And if you remember, that was one thing. I don't know if you remember it all. I wasn't worried about it all. I was like, no, we'll be fine. I was worried about getting out there and getting votes. I knew that we had enough lieutenants and captains on the ground who had been through this a thousand times and knew exactly how to make it happen, they made it happen. What I would say is, if you think you have a candidate who needs to get on that ballot, if you think you want to stop petitioning, find those captains from last, from 2018, find them now. Because those captains didn't work very much in 2019 because we easily just checked the box because it was our first year as a party. Those days are Mm -hmm. over. Now we've got to get petitions and, and get signatures again. So I think yep. I would find those guys and gals from 2018, grab them again, and say, hey, jump on my team for my guy or my person, my gal, so that we can get on the ballot. You do that, and we'll make it happen. I'm really not that concerned. I know people get worried and go, oh, it's only 30 days or it's during the winter or whatever. I'm not that concerned. We're good at it. We've been good at it in the past. And the best part is if we have to get libertarians, 
most New York State libertarians are very motivated because it's brand new and exciting. Most of them will get out and sign those petitions. Most will. We could just have a couple of events. Not just that. If you need guys like me, you need guys like Andrew Hollister, you need us, bug us. I just threw Andrew under the bus. But you just go right <laughs> to Andrew because he's in Western New York. So I threw him under the bus, but I love him. He knows I do. Get him or get me out there. We'll come to an event and we'll make it a petition signing event. Literally, we'll show up. Hey, let's have an event. Let's do some cool stuff. We'll sign some stuff and we'll make some and we'll do some petitions right then and there. I you look, if you guys know what I did, I literally was out there doing petitions for myself also and others. And I would sign it and give it to someone else. Or give it to someone else and have them sign for me. I don't care. Whatever. Didn't matter to me. I was I was there talking to people, drawing them in so we can get signatures. I'm happy to do it again. Even during a snowstorm? <laughs> it would be tougher, but if but if I'm already up there, why would I care? And people okay. do show up. If you remember, if you look at some of my videos from the 2018 election, I was in Rochester in January. Yeah, there's snow on the ground. I'm in a trench coat. Yes, there's snow on the ground when I was in upstate. I did it before. I do it again. I went to a, uh, a, a lumber mill, and it was snowing on me physically. It was, it was literally snowing. Yes, I will do it. I have in the past. I will do it again. And so will Andrew. We both will do it. We are, we're here, as I talked about earlier. I'm trying my best to be the change that I want in this party. This party's culture has not been a we will support each other culture. It has not been that in the past. I want it to change. The way I do it is by doing it myself so I can point my finger at you, right? I, I, can't, <laughs> I can't go out there and preach if I don't practice. So I got to practice what I'm preaching so I can point my finger and preach at you. So, yes, I will do it. I'm telling you I will. I know Andrew will also. So we'll get out there and make it happen. I'm not concerned. Okay, thanks, Larry. Have a good night. All right, you too. Talk to you soon. Thank you. All right. I'm going to get out of New York for a second. I'm head over to Missouri. I'm going to grab, go to, again, we are not only an international, but a national uh, show. Head over to Missouri to talk about Jason. He's asking about if I run again. Oh, no. Uh-oh. All right, so i got to talk about that issue. Jason, how are you? I'm doing well, Larry. How are you tonight, sir? Good. You're going to ask me that tough question. Will, will I run again? <laughs> hey, if you've mentioned that, I, I apologize, but I was just curious. Are you running again at any time in the future? I have mentioned it often. I don't mind at all. People ask me the question all the time. Um, I may run for governor in 2022 in New York. The odds are, are good if things go well. Um, I'm happy to do it again. Um, so I'll bring this up, The reason, one of the reasons why. Um, I, I don't want to be that guy who just runs to win. That's right. not what we should be about. It's That's the wrong thing, right? I hear people all the time. Well, run for this. You could win. Run for this. You could win. So what? The goal is can I make impact on a longer issue? I know it sounds silly when I go, it's not about me. It's about the movement. People don't believe me. Okay, then I have to show you, right? I have to show you that. So I'm trying to show you that. I'm not running for anything that pops up because I might win. And there's several reasons why. Reason number one, if I run for everything, then people don't believe that I care about the office I'm actually running for. They just want to run for something, which hurts me in the long run, number one. Hurts the movement in the long run. Why? Because you get donor burnout. You get people who keep donating, right, to, to stuff that they get nothing from, right? If you donate to my whatever, congressional run or mayoral run or insert thing here, and I just get my ass kicked and there's no impact, you threw your money away. Donors don't like right. that. 
I don't care if you gave me $5 or $5,000. It doesn't matter. You threw your money away. I'm trying my best that when I run, there is impact. And I just, I'm talking about last, uh, I'm sorry, this month, this election, because that's the impact. For those of you who supported my campaign in 2018, 103 victories is your impact. That's what you did with your campaign dollars. You did that. That's the impact that you got. Supporting me got you something that I know you wanted. Seven straight, sorry, straight, seven only libertarian and 96 libertarian-leaning people won in New York State from zero. So I don't want to just run for anything. I get donor burnout. I get activist burnout. I get volunteer burnout. I don't want that. When I ask you for money, and I do often, when I ask for money, I want it to be because you get something. I'm a business guy, which means I've got to provide you value for your dollar. So I don't just want to run for anything for that. Not just that. If I'm crossing New York State, I said earlier that the top of the ticket has to support the bottom of the ticket. As the bottom ticket begins to grow, which it is, again, multiple victories, right? Multiple victories this year. As it grows more, more next year, more 2021. Now, if I run again in 2022, all of those people are now supporting me. Now it reverses. Does that make sense? Right. So I want us to support. So am I just going to run for anything? No. Would I run for something that has impact? Yes. But I don't see anything right now where I can make impact. If I could make impact, I would consider running. I don't see um, that happening right now. Now, for those those of you in New York who may or may not know, uh, New York State is changing its laws on ballot access. And the ballot access now is, uh, uh, I think it's 130,000 votes in a, in a uh, statewide election, and if you, and, yeah, or 2%. I think that's right. Uh, I forgot what it is. Something like that, right? 130,000 votes or X percent, whichever is higher, right? That's what they're going for now. People in the state are going crazy. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I can't believe it, right? This is going to kill us. We're in trouble. I'm not worried at all. Not at all in New York State. Why? Because we're growing the grassroots now. So it won't matter. That was my entire point for running. I wanted to make long-lasting impact. Out of the 62 counties, we have about 30 uh, county organizations. We only had 16 when I first started running. We'll probably have 40 or 50 by by next year. When you have that kind of grassroots organization, when you have multiple victories, getting 100,000 votes in New York State's not hard. In reality, I got about 200,000 already. I mean, they said I made 95, but that wasn't really true. It doesn't matter. The point is I already broke that number my last election. So whether I run next time or Andrew Hollister runs next time, either way, we will easily break that 130. I don't care. Easy. We'll easily break 2%. I got 2%, and I got more than 2%, but that's fine. doesn't matter. I got tons anyway. We will break it without any question. What I'm doing now is not focus on running. I'm focusing now on supporting this way I can bug others who run to stay in and support others so we can create infrastructure and create a support structure so that we can draw in more talent to have better candidates, more donors, better activists. Did that make sense? Oh, yeah, it makes perfect sense. I was um, also just kind of curious that um, – cause how does, say, the Libertarian Party as we grow in popularity prevent, say, another Howard Stern occurrence yep. that diminishes the credibility of the party? Um, that, to me, kind of – I just stopped even paying half attention to the Libertarian Party when that happened. Um, how do you – I mean, going forward as we – as the Libertarian Party does become more popular – 
how would you, if you were running at the time and a Howard Stern came in and started running, uh, how would you handle a situation like that? You know, as a, to be forward, as a general rule, you can't. I know it sounds horrible and it drives libertarians crazy, but look, Democrats get crazy people running. Republicans get crazy people people running, right? Didn't Republican have like an an open Nazi running one time in Illinois or something, right? I mean, these things are going. We're gonna get some crazy person, a bad person, a non-libertarian running. That is going to happen. Um, as a general rule, we ignore them. As a general right. rule, that's the best answer. If we right. out and out attack them, as a general rule, we actually bring more attention to them. So, as a general rule, the answer is ignore. That's general. Right. There will be some exceptions, obviously, right? I don't talk about Howard Stern, and I wish you didn't either, right. uh, but because but he was here in New York. So, yes, in fact, we actually had a rule. We made we call it now the Howard Stern rule in New York. Um, the problem that we had is uh, our bylaws allowed someone to simply walk in during the convention, write a check, become a member, and be a voting member. That used to be our laws prior to uh, our, our bylaws prior to Howard Stern. So basically, he right. just brought all his friends, paid for all their dues. They became voting members, and they voted out, voted us out. Now we have right. a rule in New York State that it, our, our convention is usually in April. It's in the spring, usually in April. You have to be right. a, a member as of December 31st the year before. Right. That's what we right. did. So that the Howard Stern issue can't happen for us again. But can some bad person run under our banner? Yeah, probably. Oh, yeah. And the answer is, oh, yeah. I, I would just ignore them. I would ignore mm-hmm. them. And then, look, the solution is dilution, right? The more right. libertarians we have running that are good, solid candidates, when the knucklehead or non-libertarian or bad person runs, he or she becomes the be, – they become the, the anomaly, not the norm. Right. Because there right. are so many good examples that the one bad person is whatever – Move on. I don't think we can stop it. If we try to stop it, we will stifle growth of the party. If we try to stop it, we will stop new people from coming in. We will also stop talent from coming in. So I would rather gamble and be more open, accept that we're going to have some people who don't fit the mold, ignore them, move on. Exactly. Exactly. And that's good to know. And, and finally, I got just one last question here, Larry, and I'll let you go and get to other people. Um, a little more serious on a campaign trail, and this is something I encounter quite a bit. Is is kind of the people's uh, the Hobbesian Hobbesian idea that there needs to be a, a strong man in charge, and and I work with a lot of blue collar guys. It's a lot of Trump voters, and while they don't you know agree with everything on him 100 percent, they mostly agree with him, and they think somebody you know has got to be in charge, and that's been a lot of their you know complaints about libertarianism is it just anarchy and mass chaos and. Mm-hmm. So how did you when, you, when you were on the campaign trail campaigning and people would say, well, yeah, it's the lesser of two evils, but it's the one I know and that's the one I'm going to vote for. How did, you, how did you address that? There are two separate issues you brought up here, and let me cover both of them. Yep. The first one is the strongman argument, and there's a part that's absolutely correct. People, human nature, we want to follow the bold. That's normal. Humans want to follow bold people, sometimes off a cliff, but we do want to follow the bold. It's true. You can act bold and not be a tyrant. You can be bold and not want to control everybody. You can be bold and not be a jerk. You can be all those things, right? Um, And again, I try to practice what I preach. Most people who are not in New York don't know how this actually worked. After the election of 2018, election law made me 
the uh, the uh, state chair. That's how right. the, the the law works. Oh, you won your state chair. Your committee is now the party. There's a bunch of people in New York State who disagree with that. It's fine. They're wrong. But we fought about it forever. I could have easily said, I am now the chair. I run everything. Here are all my friends to be uh, on the state committee. And I will now rule you with an iron fist. And surprisingly, for some people, but not for others, there were a lot of libertarians in the state who wanted me to do that, who were basically saying, Larry, please be our king. That was that there were many people who was not those words, but they were basically saying to do that. And the reason is our laws in New York State aren't are written when it comes to new parties for puppet parties. So people right. literally become the chair, put their friends, literally write rules that say there can be proxy voting. So they say, well, you have eight family members, so you vote for all those eight members. So you have eight votes. I'm not joking. That kind of thing happens in New York State. Right. What did I right. do? I actually had rules written to where I had one duty. I oversaw the election of the person who replaced me, and I wrote myself out of the rules. I'm not on the – I'm not the party chair, my choice, nor am I right. on the, on the, uh, the uh, state committee. I'm not even on the state committee. I'm on neither of those things. Instead of me consolidating power, I actually shared it. I did right. the opposite. So – Right. I was as bold as can be. I told people I was going to win. I shook my fist and yelled at Cuomo. I was bold and people did follow me. But you don't. You can be bold and not be a tyrant. You don't have to do both. So I think that's the key. I was teasing today. People are saying, well, Larry, the, the, the last caller said, Larry, you know, you're going to be up um, in our county uh, January 11th. And I'm like, I am? Because I'm not a tyrant. Because I believe that my team does a good job. I give them the freedom to, to do what they think is best. People who know how I ran a campaign is the same way. I fired nobody for incompetence. Not one person. People made errors. I didn't fire them. I kept them around. And why? Because I'm not a tyrant. It's not who I am. But I'm out here yelling and screaming, telling you, I got a, I got my name on a shirt. It's pretty bold, right? <laughs> yeah. So you can be bold and not have to be a tyrant. And people will follow that also. So that's what we have to we have to build that out as our normal candidate. A bold candidate that is about helping others and not personal control. Did I answer your question? That certainly did, sir. I appreciate it very much. Awesome. Thank you, sir. All right. Thank you. Have a good evening. All right. You too. All right. I want to go over to uh, Tim in New York. We're going to be talking. We're back in New York again. So we want to go back in New York right now. Talking about a recent uh, standoff, a red flag standoff, what I warned you guys about. So, Tim, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm doing great. What's going on? Hey, Larry, what's up? Uh, um, I just had a couple questions, or I wanted to get your opinion on a couple things. Go ahead, please. Uh, first, I guess, would be the Alex Booth situation or the red flag standoff situation that happened here yep. Saturday night. Yep. Do you Do you want to... Do you want to give some background for our listeners real fast? Uh, there was a, well, it was supposedly a red flag uh, gun confiscation for yep. a 30-round magazine for a for a vet, I believe, mm-hmm. in uh, Carmel, New York. Yep. And uh, he was holed up in the house, and there was a bunch of, uh, bunch of sheriffs and armored vehicles and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and it was all kind of a kind of a shit show on the internet trying to figure out what was actually going on. Absolutely. But and, uh, yep, and the sheriff actually was, put out a, a a request to stop bugging them so much because they were getting inundated with yeah, phone calls and social media. Well, it and actually shut down. 
Yeah, it shut down their 911 center for a it while. It did. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Um, well, I guess. I guess. Have you had a chance to formulate an opinion on that, or is yeah to be to people be, people yeah. showing up and to the situation? Is that a good idea? Or here's the reality. Look, red flag laws are bad. I was the only candidate in 2018 who openly said that in a debate. I was the only one against red flag laws. No one else said a word. The Republican didn't even say that he was against red flag laws. Nobody was against them but me. And this is the reason. Because they're going to go away from due process. And they're they're going to show up at someone's door with armored cars and guns. And you're going to have a vet or someone else, particularly a vet, who's going to say no. No, you're going to have someone resist. Mm -hmm. And what happens when one resists? Here's the worst part about him resisting is now he's the example to others. This is my Mm -hmm. other problem, right? One guy is going to resist. Others are going to be upset. Now, what I want to happen is peaceful protest. I think those phone calls, I think those emails were wonderful. I think we we should show up. I agree completely. There should be a price to pay, a peaceful price to pay for the actions of red flag laws. If we don't do that, we set the precedent that is going to make a whole bunch of dead law enforcement officers. And I do mm-hmm. not want that. Let me say again, I mm-hmm. do not want that. And the example I'll give you is mm-hmm. Dallas. Remember that Marine in Dallas who shot all those cops mm-hmm. years ago? That will happen in New York State. They, but, but the sad part is it may be more than one Marine. They thought it was multiple Marines because he was such a good shot. What if it's more than one Marine? That means a whole lot of dead law enforcement officers. And that means nothing but bad. Because law enforcement, when they get killed, will not say, you know what? Let's back off. They will double down and triple down. And when they Mm -hmm. do that, that means more dead law enforcement officers. And it's a horrible, horrible, horrible cycle. There'll be nothing but bad and will eventually turn us into a police state. This is the reason, one of the reasons, so many, but another reason why I'm so against red flag laws. That's how it's going to end if we don't stop this. My, my, My response is the same. Peaceful, polite protest. That's my response. Now, some people disagree with that, but you asked my opinion. That's my opinion. Mm-hmm. But we need to resist this to the best of our ability. We want, we want law enforcement. You know, this is years ago. So I'm a buddy of mine from high school, uh, actually from high school years ago, about Iran. This is off topic, but it's the same concept. I said, when do you think is the right time for the U.S. to say something about the, 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 uh, the protests in Iran? And he said something very savvy. He said, the second the cops say something or the military says something, the second the cops, the military decide they don't want to enforce this rule or, 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 or hang out with the Iranian government anymore, that's when we should make a statement. And I'm like, you know what? That makes sense. I say that here now too. I want cops to say, governor, we don't want to enforce these red flag laws. Stop. We don't want to do this anymore. And if we can get them to do that, that's when they'll go away. That ties almost in perfectly to my second question or matter of your opinion is the Bridget Tojek situation here in Allegheny County. This one, I don't know. Explain this one to me. The first one, I know this one, I don't. Um, uh, here in Allegheny County, there was a justice that uh, said something against another justice who happened to be the one who issues the pistol permits here in Allegheny County. Ah, okay. So because he was not happy, he revoked her pistol permit. 
Yes. This was uh, Steve Flano and uh, the other DA that's retiring here, mm-hmm. or the other uh, attorney that's retiring here soon. Ostrowski. Fought this here in Allegheny County. Yep. yep. Ostrowski and Flano. And, yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, so I was just wondering if you had an opinion, like, should, should me as an Allegheny County voter put pressure on our DA and our sheriff who supposedly come out as 2A supporters? I mean, they're, they've made statements to – 2AWNY and mm-hmm. such. Uh, what may be the appropriate channel to take for that, or what's yes. your opinion? There are two things we want to work on, and, and you'll find that the more hardcore libertarians will often disagree with me on this. But here's what I want you to do. When people, libertarian or not, when they do something that we agree, praise them and give them the, 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 the respect due, right? Give them credit when it's due, if some DA, Democrat, Republican, I don't care what, says, I don't want to enforce a red flag law. Yay. Well done. Thank you. You're amazing. We're on board, right? I talked about this uh, here in Queens. And for some of you, this will sound crazy. But we had uh, someone running in Queens, a DA running in Queen, running for DA in Queens by the name of, T- the name of Tiffany Caban. Tiffany Caban is literally, well, was, I don't know if she is now. She was a member of the DSA, the Democratic Socialists of America. She was for all kinds of socialistic stuff. So why in the world would I want to support her? I think now she's part of working mm-hmm. families. Why? Because she was running for DA. And a lot of her policies when it came to criminal justice were totally linked with the Libertarian Party. And we, and we didn't have a, a candidate. So would I have supported her? Of course I would have. Right? I, and I gave her credit. I told people, I'm, I'm glad she wants to end bail reform. I'm glad she doesn't want to put people in jail for these crazy things. I'm glad she doesn't want to put, put people in jail for marijuana. I'm glad she's, I'm glad. Well done. And this is literally a socialist. And I was saying, these are, this is well done. Good. I'm, I'm with you here. When you do that, others decide to step up too. Most people step up because someone else steps up. It's the whole idea of no one says anything until someone says, anything, says something. We happy that person who steps up, regardless of whether they are Democrat, Republican, whatever, if they're saying something right, get behind them, reward good behavior, and politely protest bad behavior. If you politely protest bad behavior and support good behavior, more people will do that. So yes, I think pressure is a good idea. I know some people got upset with the 911 situation, but you know what? I think it was worth it. Because even though some people might have had delayed responses, and I know that's hard if you were that person who had delayed responses, and if you are that person, I, I do feel bad. At the same time, these red flag laws and these standoffs are just going to get worse. That's going to happen because prohibition, let's see, has worked. Um, oh, right, never. So it's never worked. Yep. This isn't going to work either. It's going to get worse. And if we do it politely, we can get, we can get the, the law enforcement to save face and to just back off. If law enforcement starts getting hurt, that is a bad thing for everybody. Nobody wins when cops get shot. That is a bad idea. Nobody wins. I don't want that to happen. Instead, let's let the law enforcement back off and go, you know what? I don't do this anymore. I'm not, I'm not going to be part of this. That's what I want. Did I answer your question? Yep, that's actually exactly what I'm hoping for, too. Thanks, Larry. Awesome. Thanks Thank for you everything so you do, too. Absolutely. We Thank appreciate you. it. All Um, I'm going to get out of New York again, heading on over to Indiana this time. We're all over the place tonight. I love it. So awesome. I'm going to be talking to Josh. Josh, how are you? Josh, are you there? 
I think I lost Josh. All right, I lost Josh. No worries. I still I still love you, Josh. You can always call back. If you want to call in, you can uh 573-427-5463. All right, so I want to go back to that idea of incrementalism with one other thing, and that is the idea of, and this happened when I we had this conversation when I was in Hawaii. It was a difference between decriminalization and legalization. And someone said, Larry, we don't want legalization, right? We only want decriminalization. As a general rule, I agree. I would rather have decriminalization versus legalization. I think it's true. For those who don't know, decriminalization is just saying, go do it, who cares? And I'm being very broad on this one. And um, um, legalization is somehow regulating it and or taxing it, that kind of thing, making it special in some way. In the best case scenario, everything's decriminalized. That'd be awesome, except for things that have, obviously, victims. That would be awesome. But there are some times when I would be okay with legalization. And that depends upon who's being hurt, how often they're being hurt. Can this be a next stop to something better? Is that possible? And how long until I can get what I want? Now, I know that's broad. I know it is. But I'm still okay with that. I think each of these issues has to be thought of specifically as a separate issue, right? It's a separate issue because if you have lots of people, again, I'll go back to the cannabis issue, right? Would I accept legalization of cannabis over decriminalization? If it would stop people from going to jail, I would take it as a first step, but, but I don't end my ultimate goal, nor do I change how I feel about the end goal. So when it comes to that, that is an important issue to consider. That can be incrementalism in theory also, right? It can be. I don't just want to go decriminalization. I will go to that or legalization depending upon the individual situation and how far I absolutely can go. All right. Um, I think we have Josh back. So I'm going to try to get Josh back on if I can. Um, From Indiana, I actually forgot what he wanted to talk about, but I'm sure he will tell me. Josh, how are you? Good. What's going on, um, my friend? Good. Uh, this uh, I'm from Sarcasm Liberty. Uh, I called in before. Uh, I wanted to say hi first. And um, oh so, yeah, you uh, you uh, retweet a lot of my stuff on Twitter. Yes, yes, yes. Well, all the time. Yeah, we're big fans. Thank you. Um, of course. So um, one of the things we wanted to say, uh, like. I'm kind of frequently on Twitter, I'm getting into a lot of these debates with people, mm-hmm. and a lot of the topics is libertarianism, and I, a trend I've noticed lately is, uh, you know, I'll, I'll make a point on libertarianism, and a, a trend I noticed lately is, uh, a comment I get back is, well, this is why nobody takes libertarianism seriously, or this is why you're irrelevant, or something like that, and then they were like, well, it's, it's getting more and more popular, like, why would you think that? It makes no sense, you know? Like we're, we're that, growing that is a def- that's a defense mechanism. That's all that is. Yeah, it's a defense yeah, mechanism yeah, but... because they realize it does matter, right? This is why yeah, we've, yeah. we've made the changes in New York State. The changes in New York State are to try to keep us down. It's not going to work. We're actually going to keep getting strong, but they're trying to react. A lot of libertarians are upset about New York State how we're changing the ballot access rules. I'm not. I'm actually very happy. It means we're yeah. having impact. It means we care, right? Remember something. The opposite mm-hmm. of love is not hate. The opposite of love is apathy, meaning they don't care. Yeah. When they get mad and yell, we're winning. 
This is a yeah. good thing. I hope they keep saying that because maybe it'll be trending. I love that idea. Well, yeah. Well, like, like one of my things was is like uh, kind of I would say just my general like my last thought for you would be uh, or my last question I guess to to offer you would be kind of moving forward would be like a general like what would be a way to possibly kind of uh, try to change that perception that they have in general towards us in the next year. Yeah, there there are general rule two things. One, lean into it. Right? Mm-hmm. Just lean right into it. Yep, we're so irrelevant. You keep talking about it. Please keep telling us. Hashtag libertarianism is irrelevant. Love it. Irrelevant libertarianism. Yep, hashtag <laughs> it. Hashtag it on every single thing that shows we're winning. Hashtag that's That's option one. Hashtag the hell out of it. Lean into it. Let them call you names. Keep moving on. Option one. Option two, don't even bring it up. Instead, just keep yeah. providing solutions. If you notice, I rarely talk about the concept of libertarianism. I just give you libertarian answers. Most people, when I'm talking to them, they don't know who I am. When I chat with them, most people think I'm their political party. Mm -hmm. So whatever. If they're Republicans, they go, oh, you're a Republican. If if they're Democrat, they go, oh, you're a Democrat. Because they agree with me. Right? I give them solutions they like. So they they just believe I'm whatever party they are. When I say I'm libertarian, Mm -hmm. they go, what? They can't believe it. So – Two ways. One, just ignore them and keep giving solutions. Two, lean in. We're irrelevant, whatever. And here's all the the stuff that goes on. That that I love that idea. Whatever, whichever one you think it works best. Awesome. Thanks. Rock on. All right. Appreciate it. Have a good one, brother. All right. You too. All right. Um, I'm gonna head back to New York. Yes, I started in New York, and looks like we're all coming towards the end. I'm gonna end in New York, heading back to New York. Um. Talking to uh, Nate in New York. Nate, how are you? Nate, are you there? I think I lost Nate. We've lost two people tonight. What am I doing wrong? I keep losing people. Sorry about that, Nate. Um, Anyway, I I wanted to uh, talk about that idea of uh, incrementalism, as I mentioned. The last piece of incrementalism I want to bring up in these last couple minutes is the idea that someone else brought up, which was the idea of other people – Running and winning, and when they win, they aren't the perfect libertarian, or they aren't a good libertarian, or they may not be a good libertarian. This is kind of interesting what someone else brought up today also. This idea of when that happens, and it will happen, is still good. Take the victories of those who aren't perfect over no victory. Does that make sense? Take the victory of someone who's not perfect over no victory. But Larry, are you giving in to your uh, not having principles or giving in? Are they making us look bad? All those things. They're elected. What are you going to do? Does it make sense to shake your fist at them? Is that the answer? I'm going to call them out. No, you're not. You're changing nothing. You're not helping. If someone has won and they're not the right libertarian in your view, great. Get rid of them next time. We have a massive advantage. We have a libertarian incumbent that we can get rid of. Isn't that an awesome problem to happen, to have, other than not having a libertarian incumbent? I will take the libertarian incumbent that we now have to get rid of versus no libertarian incumbent. And that was the alternative. No libertarian incumbent. I'll take it. Does that mean I say he's awesome? No, it means ignore him and move on. There are other battles to fight. This is going to happen again and again and again. People are either going to get into power and change 
or they have fooled us and we fell for it. That is going to happen. We're not going to end that. But guess what? The fact that we have that problem is amazing. You don't think Democrats, Republicans have that problem? Of course they do. They have that problem. They deal with it. We have to deal with it. Move on. Life is good. We're winning. Let's be happy and keep moving down that road. I'm going to grab one more quick call. Nate called back. I think I got Nate back. Let's see if I can chat with him. Nate, how are you? Nate, do I have you this time? Hey, I got you. How are you? Hey, how's it going, Larry? What's up? Talk to me. So, have you heard about bail reform? What's going on in New York State coming in January? The, all the all the nonviolent offenses that they're no longer allowed to post bail for or whatever. Is Did it, you see that? Is it that? Um, I don't know the details, to tell you the truth. Is it, is it that uh, blanket that if it's nonviolent, there's no bail? Is that true? So, no. Okay. Um, there's actually some of them that's, that's pretty violent. Some of it seems pretty crazy, to be honest with you. The, the issue but, that we want for bail, and this is what bail should be about. I know it isn't always, but it should be about one of two things. One, is there a realistic um, chance for someone to fly? Flight. Is there, are there risk of flight risk, right? Will they bail and leave the country or leave the state? Is it realistic? If that's the case, I get it. You want to put bail. Makes sense. Totally makes sense. Two, is the person a threat to someone still on the outside? Are they a threat to somebody on the outside? If they are, I get it. Bail makes sense. But if there's no threat at all, realistic, obviously reasonable, and no chance of flight, why the hell do we have bail? Right. Am I making sense? My, my idea about it was always, why does it matter if you if you don't have money, then you're going to sit in the cell. So it, if you do have money, you can walk. So I figure if you can... If you can walk, if you're if you're that safe to be out in the street, if you have money, then you're just as safe if you don't have money. Well, the That's thought pro- the thought process is, and it may not be accurate, but the thought process is, if I have money, right, and I give that money to the state, and I leave, I lose that money. I have something to lose, so I'll stay and go through my trial. That's the logic behind it, right? If I don't have much money, well, then I don't really have anything to lose, so they better put me in jail. Otherwise, I may flee the state. I may leave. That's the logic behind it. I'm not sure that's accurate, but you see what I'm saying? Oh, it's flawed logic, yeah. Yeah, but it's not supposed to be about the money. (laughs) It's supposed to be about is a person going to leave or is the person a threat to someone on the outside, right? And and the logic, again, is if you have something to lose, you won't go do something stupid. If you have nothing to lose, you might. That's the concept. But what but what winds up happening is the poor people get screwed. I remember you talked a lot about bail reform when, when you were out on the trail. Absolutely. And, uh, Cause I don't want poor people you. getting screwed. I get the logic and I, and to be for, to be forward as many things in government, the, the idea or the intent behind it is good intent. It's a good idea. It just winds up hurting poor people. Right. Absolutely. Uh, I know I've seen that a lot of there's a, there's a lot of opposition towards it right now. There's uh, sheriffs are fighting it, and CEOs are fighting, it and all these people are fighting it, saying it's going to be a ton of work and yada yada yada, big headache. And yeah, what do you think about all that? It it might be, but I I I think rights matter, right? Rights are very often a headache. I think it's true. People's rights are very often a headache <laughs> for the government. That's true. They're right. I'm not saying they're wrong. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't still do it. 
right? People, anyone's rights can get into my way. That's a headache, absolutely. But it's you still get your rights, even though you may annoy me. Amen to that. All right, my friend, I'm gonna let you go. Thank you so much for calling. All righty, have a good one. All right, guys, I want to say thank you so much for this evening. I'm very happy that you guys had the time to spend with me this awesome Monday evening. Two hours, many of you, thank you. Those of you who don't, you remember, you can always go on Anchor FM slash Sharpway. Head over there to the Sharpway Show and, and listen to this. If you want to listen to it again, head over to sharpway.com for details and support us if you can. If you like what I'm doing, and I hear so many of you are talking that you do, head on over to patreon.com slash Sharpway and give what you can give now. This matters. This costs me money and time as everything else does. Support me so that I can keep doing this. Support me so I can keep giving you this. If it's valuable, then pay for it if it's valuable. I'm trying to give you value. So give me some money so I can keep giving you that value. It's patreon.com slash sharpway. All right, guys. I want to say thank you once again. And I will talk to you all next week here on The Sharpway.